Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. Um, today we're going back to, to vision. For the next few weeks we'll be speaking about um, our vision, GED, and breaking that down. But I was thinking during worship, and thank you Chris so much for leading us so well in worship as well, but I was thinking uh, in worship, um, judges, how it speaks about the, the people did what was right in their own eyes. I, it, was just, it was just heavy upon me. How the people did what was right in their own eyes. And that's the, that's the generation that we're in where everybody does what's right in their own eyes. There's no authority that we adhere to or, or respect or, or honor or submit to. And everyone just does what's right in their own eyes and we can see how our society is just unraveling before our very eyes. We have almost eight billion people in this world and everyone defines truth themselves. That's eight billion different opinions of what's right. Is there such thing as truth? Does it exist? And if so, who is the carrier of it? Because you have eight billion people that contradict their neighbor. Because everybody does what's right in their own eyes. There is such thing as truth. And it comes from God's word. And God's word may not be popular in our society today. And we may be persecuted because of it. We may be hated because of it. But I want you to know that God's word is, is full of love. And everything God does is because of love. Society and the world has attempted to redefine love for us. But we cannot know love if we do not know God. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes, judges, speaks about. And, and in judges, again, we see the cycle of sin and brokenness and bondage. And then they remember God. And he sends a deliverer. And they're free. And then they go back into sin and bondage. And it's this, this cycle. Because everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I was just on my heart, just wanted to, to share that with you. We're not speaking about that this morning, necessarily. So, vision. Vision. Um, and again, my heart's just, I, I don't know why, but my heart's heavy, heavy this morning. Um, just, just watching our society, um, my heart is just, just very, very heavy. And the message that we have is a, is a message of hope, and it is a message of love but it's misunderstood. It's greatly, it's greatly misunderstood as a message of, of hatred when it's a message of love and, and inclusion. It says all who believe in God's word and in Christ can come. Had a, had a, a great conversation this past week, um, a ministry opportunity with a uh, with a Muslim, um, just, just a great, great conversation. Um, just, just ministering to him, him the gospel, 
um, and, and he was a devout Muslim and, you know, and kind of shared you know, his beliefs and I shared mine uh, and I spoke to him about, about truth you know, because he spoke to me about um, you know, believing in our prophets so that was a great opportunity to tell him what the prophets said about the Messiah uh, but it was just a, just a great, great opportunity um, and we, we really connected and he continued to text me throughout the week um, and God's word works, but we can't compromise it. We can't compromise it. So one of the things, you know, he was saying, you know, is that we all serve the same God. And I said, we don't. We don't all serve the same God. I, I told him that because I love him. And, and, and he received the love from that. Anyway, everyone good? <laughs> All right. The vision, vision for the Way City Church. So our vision as a church, we are a brand new church plant, right? So we, we exist to reach the lost, right? And to disciple the believer. That's why we exist. But the vision of the Way City Church, again, is to reach the lost and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. We spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. We reach the lost and the saints by being relevant to our generation. We're completely open to become all things to all people, only without the compromise of the Word of God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We as a church desire to be a mission-based, multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, economically diverse church that loves God passionately and has a zeal for the spiritual development of people. Our vision in, in simple terms is GED. We grow, we evangelize, we disciple. G-E-D. We grow, we evangelize, we disciple. That is our vision. Today, we're going to speak about the, the G in GED. Growth is our focus for today. So, our vision GED basically includes or encompasses the, the three main purposes of the church, which is, number one, ministry to God, praise and worship. Number two, ministry to believers, nurture and discipleship. And then number three, ministry to the world, evangelism and outreach. That's what our vision includes. And regardless of the vision that a, that a church planter might have, and how creative they think their vision is. Every vision that we have has to be tied to God's word. Has to be tied to the purpose that God has for the church. Which is, again, ministry to him. Ministry to believers and ministry to the world. So today as we look at the, the G in GED... I want to focus on answering two questions. Number one, how do we grow? And number two, how do we measure growth as a church? Number one, how do we grow? And number two, how do we measure growth? So, number one, how do we grow? Or why do we grow? But how, how do we grow? Consider this, everything that is healthy continues to grow. 
everything that is healthy continues to grow. There was a girl called um, Gabby Williams from Billings, Montana, and she has an extremely rare condition where she's growing at the rate of one year in every eight. So, so as an, as an eight-year-old, she was an eight-year-old trapped in a one-year-old body. So she grows at the rate of one in every eight years. Someone else called Angus from the UK is also another individual who stopped growing at the age of, of three years old. In 2017, was, uh, Angus was 13. I have no idea on the, on the update today. Uh, but as a, as a 13-year-old was, was trapped in a three-year-old body. So it is assumed and it is expected that our children will grow, that they will grow into adulthood. We, we assume that, we expect that, that our children will grow into adulthood. And if it doesn't happen, then we're shocked, right? And we, we become worried. If our child stops growing somehow, and we will travel the world to diagnose to find out what, the, what their condition is and to fix it. We would travel the world and, and, and spend whatever we have to spend in order to fix that problem, if we could. Because we expect our children to grow. At four weeks, my baby, my son, was the size of a poppy seed. At six weeks, the size of a pomegranate seed, at 17 weeks was the size of a pomegranate itself, and then somewhere between, I don't know, maybe 20 weeks and 30 weeks, the growth of my son was affected. So he was no longer growing as he was supposed to be growing, and he was not receiving enough food from the placenta. So at 31 weeks, there was an emergency C-section. Right? And my son Joshua was born, as you know, at two pounds. But he was supposed to be much bigger at 31 weeks. But there was an issue. And they knew from, from inside the womb, they said he's, he's not growing at the rate that he's supposed to be. So he needs to come out. So that happened. And he was in the NICU, as you know, for, for eight weeks. And they were attending to him and making sure that he was that he was growing and by the grace of God he's in the back right there he's 16 16 months right now and he's a big boy he's a big boy now but what I'm saying is we expect our children to grow and to develop into adulthood and when they don't there's a problem and it's serious so everything that's that's healthy continues to grow. We, as, as believers, we grow through the word and we grow by submitting to it. We grow through the word, we grow through God's word, and we grow by submitting completely to the word. In other words, obedience. And before you can truly do what I just said, you must understand some of the primary principles and the ABCs of Christianity. Let's turn to 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 5 through 
8. Today we're speaking about growth. Growth. And we're going we're gonna to turn to um, a lot of verses today. Speaking about growth. Next week, God willing, will be the E in GED, evangelism. And then we will um, pause for um, October 31st, and um, I will deliver a special message on that day. And then we will get, get to um, discipleship, the D in GED, God willing, the week after that. And I haven't forgotten about the book of Acts. So, God willing, we're going to start uh, the book of Acts um, at the beginning of, of next year, the beginning of the new year. We're going to go through the book of Acts, but it will be vision for a few weeks. First Peter 5, verse 5 through 8, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Take note of that. Be clothed with humility. This is key. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. Take note of that. Under the mighty hand of God, that he may exhort you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We grow through the word only by submitting to the word. But some foundational principles here is that word humility. Clothed with humility. In order for you to receive God's word, you have to humble yourself. You have to humble yourself. And you have to exalt the word of God above yourself. And you have to come under it. Which takes humility. Especially when we become adults. When we're children, we listen. Or, or I'd say children of the, of the past used to listen. Children today are a little different because, because they have a, um, we live in a completely different world today. <laughs> but the children of the past used to listen. But adults, when we become adults, we feel like we're grown and we know best and we become prideful. So God's word tells us, clothe yourself with humility. Submit yourselves to the elders. Be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. He rejects the proud. That's, that's a very, that's very strong wording. God rejects the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. 
your, your humility will benefit you. And then it speaks about the, the adversary, the devil who's walking around just seeking anyone who he can devour. Believer and non-believer, the same. So we grow through the word only by submitting completely to the word. And this great and mighty word cannot work in you without humility. Understand that. As powerful as this word is, this great and mighty word cannot work in you without humility. And then, faith. Humility and then faith. Hebrews 4.2 will show us the importance of adding the ingredient of faith to this mixing bowl of growth. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. It's powerful. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word didn't profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So, the same word, the word was good. The word was strong, the word was able. But the word profited one group and did not profit the other. And the key ingredient there was faith. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Whenever you come to this place, this gathering called the church, I want you to come here in faith, expecting, expecting every single time you come here. Don't come here out of tradition, out of routine, but every single time when you take a seat, I want you to expect the Word of God to work in you and to transform your life every time. Amen. Verse 12 in the same chapter will show us how God's Word searches us and how the Word discovers our very condition. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. For the Word of God is living. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart God's word it, it discerns for us and makes a clear distinction between right versus wrong between light versus darkness, truth versus lies, good versus evil, righteousness versus sin, life versus death. The Word of God makes that distinction for us. Psalm 19 and verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, 
The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In order for us to to grow by the word, we must believe that the word is what it says it is. And that it is truly the word of God and the word of truth. We must believe that. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and verse 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. You guys understand that there are, there are certain parts of Scripture in, in 2021 where you've heard so many people say that's not relevant for us anymore. We've, we've evolved past that. That's no longer relevant for us. Our culture and our generation has evolved past those traditions that God spoke in his word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. This is the part of, of, uh, of love that nobody likes or the part of love that nobody accepts. When, when we think love, we think feelings and we think emotion. Love also corrects and love also disciplines. That is love. Without correction, without discipline, it is not love. So for you who, who are, who are in, in relationships, married, husband, wife, and you have this this idea of love, it's also going to include correction. For you who, who have families and you're raising children, love is also going to include correction. Because we have, again, a generation that does not want to love in that way. There's no correction anymore. There's no discipline for our children anymore. It's not love. So you're creating your own definition of love from the world. This is love. And you're rejecting what God says about it. So 2 Timothy 3:16 and verse 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Peter 1:20 20 and verse 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. 
For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. I was having a conversation with, um, with the Muslim that I spoke about, and, and he mentioned to me um, the, uh, what's that game, that, that telephone, that telephone game, right? So you say something, and then you pass it on, and then like by the end of the line, what was said in the beginning comes out differently at the end. So he kind of, you know, mentioned that to me, and I, I told him, you know, I said, you know, the God that we believe in is the creator of heaven and earth. So he has the power to preserve his word. God has the power to preserve his word. Yeah, he does. So, so he's, he's kept his word. Prophecy never came by, by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So as this message was getting passed on, the Holy Spirit was the one that was passing this message on. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit knows the mind and the will of God fully, as the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Amen. Romans 15, verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. The beginning of Romans chapter 3 speaks about that to the Jews were, were given the oracles of God. But then Romans 3 and verse 3 says this, but, but what if some did not believe? Right, so, so the Jews were given the, the very oracles of God. Right, but what then, verse 3, what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? And I love verse 4, certainly not. Indeed, love it. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. You guys understand that my, my uh, democracy folks, you guys understand that the, the, the kingdom is not a democracy, right? You've heard me say that, and I'm going to say that over and over and over and over again. The kingdom is not a democracy. You can't vote on it. So that means if, 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 if all of you, my American brothers and sisters, if, if, if all of you came together and said that you were unified, you came together in unity and said, I disagree with this scripture, means nothing. You would all be liars, all of you. And God's word would still stand. Let God be true and every man a liar. But we, but we all agree that this is wrong. Doesn't matter. And I praise God for his patience with us. 
and His mercy toward us and His love for us when we rebel, but He's patient with us and He waits for us and He ministers to us. I praise God for that. That you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. The word will never conform to you, nor to your vote, nor to your family, nor to your culture, nor to your country. The word of God will not conform to you. The word was designed to change and to transform us, not for us to change and to transform it. It cannot be changed. It's impossible. God's word, I believe that it's been, it's been written with the, with the hand of God, with, with the finger of God. It's been, it's been written in stone. And you can't erase it. Because God wrote it. God wrote it. Man can't erase it. This is the word of God. Number two, how do we measure growth? Number one was how do we grow? Number two, how do we measure growth? We grow through God's word, the study of God's word and worship. How do we measure growth? We measure growth a few things. By your private communion with God. We measure growth by your public communion with God. We measure growth by your proven character. We measure growth here at the Way City Church by your private communion with God. With Him privately. We measure God by your public communion with God, your public worship to Him, the gathering, and we measure growth by your proven character. So private communion with God, do you love spending personal time with Him? Do you enjoy spending personal time of regular devotion in God's Word and in prayer? Do you, do you enjoy that? Do you start your day or, or interrupt your day, whichever, to spend time with Him? Private communion with God. Public communion with God. Do you love worshipping in the church with your brothers and sisters? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling together of the saints, as many have done by exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. Do you enjoy this, the gathering of the saints? Public communion 
with God and then proven character. Do you have godly character? Which can sometimes be, be harder to measure, right? Because we all become Academy Award-winning actors on Sunday morning when we get together. So it's harder to measure this one. So every now and again, I plan to ask you some challenging questions. I may ask some of you, what is the, the fruit of the Spirit that you are currently working on right now? And who do you need to extend that fruit to? What's the fruit of the Spirit that you're currently working on? And who must you extend that to? For me, fruit of the Spirit that I'm working on? Gentleness. Who am I extending it to? Family. What is the fruit of the Spirit? And my encouragement to you would, would always be, always have a fruit of the Spirit that you're actively, actively working on and working towards. So, so even today, go through those fruits. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering, patience. And think, which, which one of those fruits do I need to be working on right now? And then who must I extend that to? And then be praying about that fruit. And it may be, it may be weeks with that fruit, maybe a couple months with that fruit, whatever. And then the next fruit. But actively be be embracing the fruits of the Spirit and asking the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit greatly through you. Amen? As we're speaking about, about growth today, I want us to look at some verses that, that's going to help us understand God's will concerning spiritual growth. Ephesians 4, let's turn there, 8 through 16, and I'm going to highlight verse, verse 13 through 15, but Ephesians 4, 8 through 16, we'll kind of read all of that right now. Speaking about growth, everything that's healthy continues to grow. Amen? Ephesians 4, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love, may grow up 
in all things, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Very powerful. And we could do a message on a few of those verses right there. But meditate upon that for a moment. Upon God's word. It is God's will for us to grow up. It's God's will for us to grow and for us to grow up. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Next chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. And as we're speaking about, about growth and we're, and we're reading these verses, we obviously don't have, have time to ponder upon them all. But in the, in the hearing of it, I pray that it transforms you, but also take it. Meditate upon it. Study it this week. Revisit these verses this week. And, and I also, I also um, really want to encourage you, um, when you come, I know some of you do, but to take notes. I really want us to be a church that, um, that does that. That's one way that we honor God's Word too. In Deuteronomy, right, so the, the, the um, old school, Old Testament believers, they would write God's word down everywhere. God said, write it on the doorposts of your house, or your forehead here, there, everywhere. Write it down. So when I come here, I'm not just getting up and just, and just throwing things out there. Um, I spent a lot of time bringing this word to you so one way that you can that you can make sure that you're receiving it is to write down amen amen so let's 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 plan to do that moving forward write god's word down i forgot the numbers but um when you just write it down even if you never read it again just by writing it down you're more likely to retain you're going to retain more of the message by, by writing it down. And I forgot what the, what the stats are on that. Just by writing it down alone, it will, it will stick with you more, even if you never look at it again. But, but write it down, and then during the week, um, you can go back to it, and you can study it. Amen? Amen.
So God's plan is, is birth, right? Growth, maturity. Birth, growth, maturity. That is, that's, that's His plan for us. Birth, growth, and maturity. And the truth is that there is absolutely no growth outside of spending time in God's Word and worship. There's, there's no growth outside of that. Spending time in God's Word and worship. And I feel like whenever I, I speak about the importance of personal devotion and spending time with God each and every single day, I just always feel like there's, there's someone in the room that thinks or, or asks the question, well, are you creating rules? Is this, is this legalism? I just always feel like there's, there's, there's someone that thinks like that. Well, are you creating rules? Is this, is this legalism? So let me ask you some questions. If I speak about breathing, do you think about rules or legalism? If I speak to you about, about breathing, if I speak to you about, about sleeping, is, is sleeping? I don't know. These are questions, right? Is, is breathing a rule? Is, is sleeping a rule? It's a question. I'm not saying whether it is or it's not. But I'm asking you, is, is, is sleeping a rule? Is brushing your teeth a rule? Is showering a rule? Is drinking eight glasses of water a day, is that, is that a rule? Is eating three meals a day, is that a rule? Is going to work, is, is that a rule? I don't know, are, are, these, are these rules? And maybe for some of you in this room, you'll say yes. These are, these are rules for me and for my household. And these are rules that we value. And these are rules that we never break. And that's cool. We, we hold each other accountable to these very rules that you just mentioned. And maybe for some of you, you'll say these are not rules. They're just necessities. So whatever you choose to call those things... Every single one of you, you commit to those things every, every single day, regardless of what you call it. And the reason why you commit to it is because it's important to you. So then why do we get defensive when a shepherd of your souls, when, when a pastor says to you, hey, listen, every single day you should be spending time in God's word then the question comes up, what, what, is that a rule? Is that legalism? Every single day, every single day, we should be spending time with the Creator. Every single day. We should be spending time with Him. And if you prioritize everything else that I just mentioned, and you don't prioritize this, 
then your priorities are out of order. Clearly. This is, this is good for you. It is, it is good for you. We serve our children vegetables because it's, it's, it's good for them. This is, this is good for you. What I'm saying, it is good for you. I'm telling you, it's good for you. And you will benefit from it and you will grow because of it. And I can tell you this too, there's a, there's a clear difference between those who spend time with him and those who don't. There's a clear difference between those who spend time with him and those who don't. And I think for the, for the ones that, that spend time with him daily, you also understand within your own walk that when you get away from that, the difference in your own spiritual life, right? I, I, I acknowledge that, right? You acknowledge that, man. Man, if you have a, what they call, you know, a dry season or whatever, you feel that in, in every other area of your life. It affects it. That is, that is true for me, and that is true for you. Yeah. Jesus modeled this for us, I, I believe, and I know, right? He modeled spending time with the Father. That was modeled for us. And if there was ever an individual that need not spend time with the Father, it would have been Jesus. Well, he modeled spending time with the Father. And the disciples, they, they saw that. Do you guys know that the disciples only ever asked Jesus to teach them one thing? The disciples only ever asked Jesus to teach them one thing. And you know what it was? I would have said, Jesus, teach me how to walk on water. Teach me how to open the eyes of the blind. How to cast out demons. How to raise the dead. Teach me how to, how to touch a leper and make them clean. Teach me how to, how to fish and find fish with gold coins in their mouth. Teach me that, Jesus. Teach me how to, how to speak with the kind of power that you spoke with. Teach me how to have five loaves and two fish and feed more than 5,000 people. Teach me how to do these things, Lord. But the disciples, they never asked any of those questions. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Why? Because I believe the disciples, they recognized something. The disciples, they made this request of Jesus and they noticed a pattern that Jesus would often wake up before sunset to pray. And, and they, they recognized this, this, this pattern. Okay, he wakes up and he prays. He goes to a solitary place and he prays. The disciples would, would search for him. They couldn't find him. They would discover he was praying with the Father. But then when Jesus came out from quality devotional time with his father and fellowship with his God, 
then boom, the blind eyes, they open. The captives were set free. The sick were healed. The dead were raised. Lepers cleansed. Lives were transformed forever. And they recognized this. They spent time with him. They recognized, man, Jesus spends time in the solitary place. And when he comes out, stuff happens. We look at Mark 1, 35, 37, just to show you. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. And this would happen over and over again. Jesus was in a solitary place praying. So Jesus would spend hours with his father, and he'll spend moments with men. He came out of prayer full of the Spirit and power. He came out. He, he began his very ministry only after what? 40 days in the wilderness of prayer and fasting. We, we don't see a miracle that the Bible records before that time. Jesus is baptized. The Bible says immediately he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there he prays and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he comes out and, and his ministry begins. And his ministry was about three and a half years. Jesus was about 29 and a half, 30 years old when he was baptized, went into the wilderness, and then three and a half years we have in the Gospels of his ministry. And then he dies at 33. But we, but we see before, before any of these things happen, we see this consecration. This time set apart in the wilderness. And I would say we do the opposite, right? We spend moments with God, and then we spend hours, hours and hours trying to counsel people and trying to figure out, man, what the issue could be. Is it this? Is it that? Is it... We do the opposite. Quick prayer in the morning. And then we're trying to figure out a whole bunch of issues. We do the opposite than what was modeled for us by our Savior. Do you guys remember when the disciples were unable to cast out the, the demon that they were trying for a while? It's kind of how we are. And, and perhaps we should, we should labor in prayer. We should labor in prayer more. We should labor in, in fellowship with him more. And then I believe we will come out with, with specific instruction and direction from the Lord. 
the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom to speak and to proclaim. And this is, this is true in my own life as a minister. I'm telling you, this is, this is very true. I, I, I spend time with him daily, but sometimes, you know, it's like, kind of feels rushed. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm going to do it because I know it's good, right? So, but it's just, like, I'm not fully in it, you know? And if I have a season like that, you know, and I'm really not, like, focused on, on you know, or I have time, time in the Word, but not really focused on, like, my, my prayer life as much, ministry's harder. <laughs> ministry's harder. Ministering to people is harder. But when I'm on point with the Father and, and, and spending that quality time with Him, man, ministry is so much easier. And it's like, man, I, man I'm just getting direction and the Holy Spirit speaking, and it's like, yeah. So this is even true in my own life. And it's true, and it's true for yours too. Regarding situations at work, family, all of it. Let's labor, let's labor in prayer. And I understand that we're the microwave generation, right? So, so you guys just want to, you know, and, and I love praying for you, but you guys just want to send in, you know, um, prayer requests, right? Um, and then not pray yourselves. Right? So let's pray together. Amen? Amen. Send, send in your prayer requests because I, I really enjoy praying for you guys. But make sure you're praying too. Amen? Yes? Amen. <laughs> make sure you're praying too. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and, and man. Bible tells us. First hmm. Corinthians three, verse verse one through three. Skipping a little bit here, just for sake of time. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You know, one of the greatest realities and truths about babies is the fact that they do not know that they are babies. Babies don't know that they're babies. They just, they just don't, don't know. They just don't know that they are babies. And it's the same for us spiritually. Growth in, in Christianity is, is measured, as I said, by your ability to submit to and to be led by God's 
word. Versus what you feel. Right? Babies only go by what they feel. Right? They, they cannot articulate. Right? They, they, they're hungry, so they, they cry. They're thirsty, they cry. They're tired, they cry. They want to be held, they cry. Right? They don't know how to express themselves in any other way. Right? They go by how they feel. Right? So, so I feel hungry, so I'm going to cry. I, I, I feel tired, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scream. Right? Because this is what I'm feeling right now. And there are many believers that do exactly the same thing. You, you cannot separate the way you feel versus what God's Word says. You just can't make a distinction and you struggle to make a distinction between the two. Well, I, I feel like people can just, I feel like, I just, I just feel like it's okay. I just, I just feel like it's okay. I, I just feel like this is, this is 2021, and I just feel like a woman has that right. I just, I just, I just feel like that. It's how I feel. I, 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 I know some people. I have, I have some friends. You don't understand her situation. I appreciate the stories. And I know the stories are real. I get it. But what I'm saying is, you struggle to make a distinction between your feelings and what God's Word says. And you continue as a, as a baby Christian and you never truly mature into what God wants you to be. Are you hearing me? And this is not being insensitive in any way. But this is, this is truth. And God has a standard so much higher than what we have on this earth. So I understand that everyone has, has a story. You know, we spoke about this. You know, everyone has a moving story. I understand that, that, that Jonah had, had a reason why he ran from God. Everyone has a reason why. I don't need to really know the reason why you disobeyed God. It, it doesn't make it... Everyone has a reason why and a story that they can attach to their disobedience. Well, well this is... It's my circumstances. I, I just feel like I can do that. Some people... Some people would even say in going against God's will, some people even say they feel like, um, like God or the Holy Spirit, they have peace about it. How in the world do you have peace contrary to what God's word says? That it, 
It's not peace. It's your feelings. And, and I really want us to grow together. So you really have to be able, again, to separate your feelings. Because your feelings are your enemy. You must be able to separate your feelings from the truth of God's word. And that's how we're going to be able to grow together as a church. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It's intentional. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It is intentional. It's intentional. So most people, I would say most believers, you know, that's been in the faith um, 10 years or more, or perhaps you grew up in the faith, you would immediately put yourself in the category of a mature believer. Just because you've, you've, you've been in the faith, you know, 10 years or more, or you grew up in the church. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a mature believer. Based on that alone. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It is intentional. So you can have, you can have a, a person grew up in the church and they're, and they're 80 years old, spiritually immature. And you can have someone in the faith three years be spiritually mature because of their, of their level of sacrifice and, and obedience to God's word. If you're willing and, and you're obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. And when people hear God's word and they, and they obey it, you begin to see good things. There's, there's fruit in that. And there are people who, again, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, right? There, there are those that the word came to the Jews, right? God's chosen people, but they rejected it. And then you have the Gentiles coming in some at the last minute, like the thief on the cross, and they're coming in. They're coming in at the last minute. Because they're, they're, they're submitted completely to God's word. So you have folks that, that, are, that are 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, whatever, in the faith that still do not submit to God's word. And they remain spiritually immature. So let's begin to to grow into maturity. That is our desire as a church. God's plan, His plan is for growth which leads to maturity. That is God's plan for us. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's stand up, please. I have quite, quite a bit more here, but I think, I think everyone gets it, right? Yeah. Amen. I think there's enough for you to understand growing in Him. So there are a couple of things that we can do to take a step in that direction intentionally for spiritual growth, right? So one is that we can commit to regular public worship. We can commit to, to coming together weekly 
to hear God's word, to make note of it, to keep it, to record it, to gather together, number one. Number two, we can also, we can join a, a city group, a small group that's starting up. A small group is an opportunity for discipleship and for us to, to gather together and to get to know each other. So you can join a small group starting the week of, of October 31st. And next week we'll have sign-up sheets and you guys can, can choose a city group to be a part of. And number three, we can start spending time with our Father daily. Reading daily. Every single day. I'm not going to tell you how much to read or how much time to spend with Him. That's between you and Him. But we can commit to making time each and every single day to spend with our Father. Starting, starting today. starting today. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads, please. Think about the word that you heard today and how the Holy Spirit has ministered to you and was speaking to you during the message today. I just don't want you to walk out the service and just kind of get on with your day. Just take a moment, please, and think about the word that the Holy Spirit spoke to you today and some changes that you can make in your own life. We're speaking about growth today. But growth begins with birth. And it begins with the new birth. So if you're in this place today or you're online today and you're hearing me talk about growth but you're like, man, I'm not even born yet. I'm not even born again yet. Then I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is calling you today. That he's speaking to you today. And what he's saying to you today is he's saying, my arms are open. And he's saying that I died for you. See, if you acknowledge today in this room or online that you are a sinner, which means that you've missed the mark, the things that I spoke about today sound strange to you or too far-fetched, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so far away from that. I'm so, so, so far away from that. I want you to understand that this is the love that I've been speaking about throughout this message and at the beginning. This love is for all. Jesus came to this world. He came to earth from heaven, not for himself, but he came for you. And I strongly believe and I know that if you were the only person in this world, he would have still come just for you. So he came for sinners. He came for those who acknowledge that they are broken. Those who acknowledge that there is sin in their life and that they deserve punishment. And if you didn't know that you deserve punishment, I tell you today, you deserve punishment and you deserve eternal hell, eternal damnation in the lake of fire. But Christ came to rescue you from that. And he said, that's not what I have for you. It's not what I want for you. 
And he said, I died for you. I overcame death for you. And I showed you the life. The life that I desire for you to live. And he says, come and follow me. And the power is in the resurrection. That death could not hold Jesus because Jesus was without sin. And he rose again on the third day. And he said, just as I rose, you too will rise again if, if you put your trust in me. It's a guarantee. So today, I say to you, call upon the name of Jesus. Right where you are, say, Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. And he will. And we can start this new journey together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we all today in this room, I believe, and those online, that we see ourselves, Lord, as so insignificant compared to your word, Father. Your word has been exalted and we have been made low. May you increase and may we decrease. May you be seen and may we be hidden. May you be found, may we be lost. May you be raised up, may we be made low. May you be exalted, Father. May you be exalted. May you be exalted. We submit to you today and we thank you for the privilege to be under the authority of your word. In Jesus' name. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.